0: Well good morning. Some of us can identify a little bit with that intro video because something that we all have in common are regrets, right? We all know what regrets are because that is just part of the human experience. So if you check your pulse right now and you've got one, you've got regrets, right? Because it's something we all know, it's universal. And so I'm really excited about the series that we kicked off last week. If you missed it, you can catch up online. You can listen on the podcast, but really something that we want to dive into and help us overcome the regrets of our past. And so that's that's what we're going to continue today. We're going to talk about regrets and talk about how we can overcome them and really how we can learn to start over and so today, I, I don't know if you've ever heard of the movie. It's not a real popular one, but there's a movie called We're the Millers, and it's not like a award-winning movie by any stretch. Some of you are nodding, like, yeah, I've seen it. I can't believe he's talking about this movie. But yeah, there's this movie We're the Millers, and there's this character. His name's Scotty P. If that gives you any idea what kind of movie we're talking about here. And he, Scotty wants to date the daughter in the family, and so when he sits down with the parents, he really wants to impress them, and he boldly shows off his tattoo, which we have a picture of here. Scotty's tattoo. Take a look. Yes, he says no regrets. R a g r e t s, right? No, no, no regrets. Just the guy you want for your daughter, right? Uh, I've got three girls at home, and, and I think mm, not. Maybe not so much. But the thing that's really crazy is, sadly, this doesn't just happen in the movies. This happens in real life. And matter of fact, we got a video to take a look at some people who have some tattoos that they they may just come to regret at some point in life. Take a look. So nothing spells regret, R-A-G, right? R-E-T, like a skin-piercing permanent typo, right? And not all of those were typos, but I have a feeling that along the line, some people might regret some of those tattoos that they got. But I mean, come on, a typo, that's just got to be the worst. And of course, you can get some kind of laser surgery or you can, you know, I've seen some really creative people come back in and they get it, you know, redone and transform it into something else that doesn't have such a blaring typo on it. Uh, But it's something that happens. People get tattoos that they regret, not even something that it's an image or something they change, but just a flat out typo on it. Their skin. I, I do have to say that the Chuck Norris one's pretty cool, though. I, I don't know that anyone would really regret that one. I mean, Chuck's got my back. It's a, it's a pretty sweet tat. I'm just gonna just go out there and say it. it's 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 pretty cool. And and I don't I don't have any tattoos. And if I did, I'd probably be a candidate for a typo because I'm the kind of guy that like God created spell check for, right? And and so I remember one time I was um, in high school and I was in charge of putting the program together for our musical. And people would pay to have advertisements in it, local businesses and that sort of thing. Um, they would put those in there, and so we would. Design design a really nice ad. We would put it in the booklet that would get handed out to everybody, like the playbill when they come in, and you could see all the companies and individuals that were supporting the local production, right? And I remember this one time, uh, I think it was even my senior, junior senior year, I can't remember exactly. Uh, I was doing one for a jewelry store, which is a tricky word, that jewelry, right? And it was like a full page ad and everything in there, you know, the company came in and paid for it, and we printed, you know, I don't know, thousands of these booklets to hand out. And it wasn't until after all of the booklets were printed that, of course, they found the typo in jewelry. And the terrible part was that the teachers who were over that project gave me a really hard time about it. I'm like, I'm the student. You're supposed to be proofreading, right? How did, That's not my fault. I, I totally shifted the blame right on them. But yeah, that's yeah typos, it's tough. And so that's why for me, man, if I was getting a tattoo, I'd really have to have someone spell check that a couple of times to make sure that we got it right. But tattoos aside and typos, uh, we all have regrets. Um, Maybe it was a failed attempt in a college degree or to go to school for something, or maybe we maxed out our credit cards again and we're like, man, how did this happen all over? Or maybe we pushed someone away in in anger due to something that happened or some foolish behavior. We all have regrets. Last week, we talked about three different kinds of regret. The first one were regrets of action. This is a regret that we regret something that we have done. Like, I, I did something, I messed up, I made a mistake, it's those things like, man, I wish I could take that back. I wish you could have the do-over. Those are regrets of action. Then we talked about regrets of inaction. Regrets of inaction are failed opportunities, maybe something that we didn't do, words that we didn't say, risks that we didn't take. Those are regrets of inaction, something that we look back and say, man, I wish I would have. Those are regrets of inaction. And then finally, we talked about regrets of reaction. And sometimes these are the most painful regrets to deal with because many times regrets of reaction aren't something that we have done. Maybe it was something that was done to us or maybe it was just a total accident or mistake, but typically regrets of reaction tend to be something that are completely out of our control. But even though we didn't have much to do with it or anything at all, we still regret those and we call those regrets of reaction. And like a misspelled tattoo, we wish we could remove our tattoos right? We wish we could just simply cover them up or get laser surgery to get it to disappear or or cover it up with some more ink. But instead, many of us hold on to our regrets and we get stuck in what we call the sorry cycle. And the sorry cycle is just this. It's an endless pattern of longing and regrets. It's longing and regret. You just get stuck in this cycle. I I long to get over this. I I don't want to be stuck in this. I don't want this regret to hold me back. But we get stuck and we call the sorry cycle. And it's just an endless pattern over and over. We can't seem to shake what has been done or what we've done to ourselves or what someone else has done to us. We talked about this last week, but psychologies have a term for this cycle. It's called rumination. And rumination is simply like, think of like a skipping DVD or CD. Remember we would just get stuck and it would just skip or all the way back the record player. Remember it just gets stuck. It just would just keep saying that one word, that one phrase. We were watching, our girls were watching a DVD in the van this last week. And this one scene just kept skipping and playing over and over again. It just kept starting over. And this is the same thing, or we even talked about last week, it's like a cow chewing its cud just over and over and over again. That's what the sorry cycle is. It's rumination where we just can't get over it. We're stuck and we just keep living it over and over again. But I wanna let you know, we talked about this last week, there is good news. There is good news if you feel stuck in the sorry cycle. It's It's possible to live beyond your regrets. You can start over no matter who you are, no matter what you regret, starting over is possible for you. Last week, we learned that we can actually learn to love our regrets when instead of seeing our regrets as a finish line, seeing them as fatal or final, that we can see our regrets as a starting point, a starting line. We actually said that regret can be something that's good because it can help us know that we can do better. It doesn't have to be fatal. It doesn't have to be final, but it can help us know that we can start over. So in the coming weeks, we're going to talk about the steps that we go through and we're following along in a book. And so if you want the book, it's actually available. We have it here today, but we want to go through this and talk about the steps that we need to take to start over, which I think all of us probably feel that. So the first thing we got to do this week we're going to talk about is there are two things, there are two choices we can make when it comes to dealing with our regret. And the first choice, the first option is this, you can hide your regret. So option one is you can hide our regrets. And when it comes to our regrets, many of us, myself included, we simply choose to hide them. And it makes sense, right? It's a very natural response to want to just, you know, cover it up. It never happened. We just want to ignore it, right? But here's the thing. A regret may be hidden, but it's still there though we may no one may be seeing it though we may be doing a really great job of hiding it it's not dead it's just simply buried alive and what happens when something's buried alive it will fight to come back to life and this is what happens to our regrets this is what happens when we choose to hide them it's like walking around trying to live our lives on the same thing doing it over and over again hiding it so that no one knows what's really happening i've got an illustration for us today some of us were wondering what's with the water um, one of the team members is like are we doing baby dedications today I'm like, That'd be a really small baby to fit in that tank. But no, that's not what we're doing. Um, We got a beach ball. So we're gonna play a little beach ball today. We're gonna throw it around. No, I'm just kidding. Um, But what I wanna do is really for us to help us understand what happens when we hide our regrets. And I don't know if you've ever played in the pool or you played in the water with a beach ball before. Something that's really fun is try to hold the beach ball down under the water. And I was surprised when I did this illustration that this ball is really tiny, but this takes a ton of force to shove this ball under the water. And this is what happens in our life when we have regrets, is that we constantly have to push down this ball, like this beach ball, and hide it under the water. But I don't know if you know this, this would be exhausting. This is just a little beach ball. Imagine one of the big boys and trying to hold this thing down, or like you're trying to wrap your entire body around it, pull this thing underneath the pool water. This is what it's like when we live with regrets and we try to hide them. It takes effort, a lot of effort to simply keep pushing this down. And then what happens if there's multiple regrets? And it's not just, one or it's a larger one. We just have to keep pushing it down. But here's the thing about regrets and choosing to hide them. No matter what we do, at some point, it's always going to come back to the surface. And so that's what happens when we have regrets. When we choose to hide them, it's like we're walking around trying to hold this beach ball under the water. Maybe you're starting a new relationship. You're attracted to someone and maybe one some of you singles, you feel that way, but you have regrets from past relationships and you feel like you're trying to put your best foot forward, but you can't because that regret is still there. Trying to jump in remind you that you have past mistakes. Maybe you've been thinking about taking on an adventure of some kind and maybe something that involves a little bit of of risk of some sort. Maybe it's a great thing, you've prayed about it, you've talked to other people, people are behind it, they're supportive of your idea, they're like, man, that sounds like something that would be great, you sought the wise counsel, you've got all the green lights, but then when it's time to move forward, you can't because the regrets of your failures from your past begin to come up and whisper in your ear. They say, you can't do it, don't do it, you won't be able to, right? And you start to live with that regret all over again. And regret can really be anything. It could be anything at all. Maybe it's a, a bankruptcy or a divorce or a relationship that came to an end suddenly or, or a harsh word from a friend or something that you said to somebody else that you really regret. It can be a DUI, it can be a lost job, it could be something that's a repeated sin pattern that you just can't seem to get over and you just keep living in it over and over and over, and over again. See, we don't want to think about it, so we shove our regrets under the water. And we can get really good at keeping them there, can't we? You can get really good at keeping those down and doing whatever we can. And see, this is how we get sometimes in life. We just we push that ball down. And it's like nothing to see here, right? I'm I'm great. I'm fine. I'm happy. Nothing to just move along. My family's awesome. Everything's good. See see how successful I am. See how things are going. And we and we're dying because we've got these regrets going on, on the inside that no one really knows what's going on. And if we're not in denial, then we just get so busy, right? We get really good at multitasking, or maybe we're just dealing with the anger. And so we just keep it buried. and We just keep it there and we keep it underneath. But here's the thing about keeping it and hiding it under the water is that real change can never happen. We can never truly start over while we're keeping this thing buried underneath of the water. See, hiding our regret can keep us from giving our best from what is in front of us. When we're constantly struggling to push this thing down, we will miss out on the opportunities that are in front of us. And honestly, when we're hiding our regrets this way, it can lead to even more and new regrets that we didn't even have to begin with but hiding the regrets has that it just has this multiplying effect hiding our regret can paralyze us it can stop us from moving forward or taking risk of trying new things i can't possibly move forward how can i move forward when i'm stuck here holding this beach ball down how can i continue to do anything else not to mention it's just flat out exhausting (laughs) hiding our regrets is exhausting See, holding a beach ball down, it's fun for a few moments, but if I had to do this all day, I mean, I'd be done. I mean, I'd be trying to like cram the lid on this thing, sit on it, whatever I need to do to keep this thing shoved down because it is exhausting to try to hide our regrets. The truth is your regret will always be fighting to come to the surface, just like this beach ball. And so today I want to take a look at a scripture and talk about a story of some guy named David, who you may have heard before. David's kind of a famous guy from the Bible. And where we pick up his story in 2 Samuel 11, David at this point is the king. And maybe you've heard of David from a famous story, David and Goliath. Well, this is the guy that ended up taking out Goliath, taking out the giant. He was was just a modest shepherd boy, right? And God uses him. He becomes the king. And so that's where we pick up the story. He's king. He is king of Israel. He is large. He is in charge. Whatever he says goes. He is sitting. On the throne, David is the man. He has got the power, right? I've got the power. Remember when that song? He, this is David. At that point, they wrote that song about him. I'm just kidding, but that is David. He he has got it. He's got it going on. That was not in the notes, so. He is powerful. He's revered, and he's in control. And so now it is springtime when the men should be out fighting in the war. This is when they would go out and they would do their battle. But here's the thing: David would normally go out, and David was known as a mighty man of war. Right, won a lot of wars. He was very famous for it. But this time he did not go with them. Instead, King David decides to stay back and hang out in the palace. And while David is hanging out in the palace, one day he's taking a stroll on his rooftop because when you're David, and you got a rooftop palace. Why not? And he's walking down the and then suddenly he sees a woman named Bathsheba. And now suddenly, this probably wasn't just an innocent glance, like, oh, there's a woman. No, no. He sees this woman. He's instantly attracted to her. And so he summons her, and he calls for her to come to the palace. And they didn't just hang out. They, they slept together. They had sex. And so David does, and this the terrible thing is, is that not only that, that this was a married woman. And she was married to someone named Uriah, who was one of David's greatest and most powerful soldiers, who was actually out fighting the war where he was supposed to be. So this is just a terrible thing. But David, even though he knows he He's done that. We don't know what level of regret he had. He just sends her home, right? And instantly he starts to put down the beach ball, and everything seems fine. It seems like it's not going to be an issue. But then all of a sudden, he gets word from Bathsheba, and she says, Hey, David, guess what? There's a little bit of a problem. I'm pregnant up comes the beach ball, right? Seems like he had it handled, had it under control. So David, being the smart king that he is, what does he do? He fesses up. No, that's not what he does. He decides, you know know, here's what we're going to do. Send for Uriah, bring him home, right? Hey, Uriah, come home, right? Hang out with your wife, you know? Do what, you know, do what husband and wives do, right? How's the king setting this up? I don't How does this conversation even happen? But this is what he's trying to get him to do, right? Come hang out, sleep with your wife. Why? Because then they'll think that the baby is his, right? Problem solved. Beach ball back down underneath. But Uriah's like, I can't do that. My men are out at war. How could I possibly think about coming and relaxing and hanging out with my wife at home when my men are literally on the front, front lines dying? No, king, I'm sorry. Thank you for the invitation, but I've got to go back and be with my men. So what does then he do? He has a choice that he can deal with it or he can choose to continue to hide it. Which option does David choose? He continues to hide it. And this is where things get really terrible. David actually sends word back to the generals, gives them a note that he's not allowed to retake this, give it to those at the front line who are in charge. And he actually tells them in the letter, carries his own death sentence. He says, hey, when you get there, put Uriah out on the front line. And when he's out there, in the most dangerous part of the battle, I want everyone else to pull back and so that he will die, Right? terrible thing. And that's exactly what happens. They get the letter, goes out there, he goes to the front line. They pull back and Uriah is killed. So now what happens? David's like, man, we got this taken care of. So he's like, oh, poor widow Bathsheba, we're going to take care of you. Come to the palace, right? You can live here with me. Problem solved. Now the baby looks like it's going to be his again, right? And so now David's getting really good at this hiding the beach ball, right? He's getting really good at keeping things hidden. He's like, man, I'm actually pretty good at this as a king, right? And you think that everything's going to be good. And then something happens where this. does become a problem because God sends a prophet to David. God sends his prophet, Nathan, and Nathan was a prophet of God. What's a prophet? A prophet is simply someone who speaks on behalf of God. So God may tell them to say something to a specific person. God may say, here's what I want you to tell to a specific nation or a group of people. Or in this instance, sometimes prophets would even speak to kings on behalf of God. And so this prophet, Nathan, comes to the King David, who remember, very powerful, large, and in charge. Remember, this guy's got it going on. And so he comes to him, and this is where we pick up the story in 2 Samuel 12. This is the story that Nathan tells, the prophet Nathan tells David, tells him this story. There were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except a little ewe lamb that he had bought. He raised it and grew it up with him and his children. It shared his food, it drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. Well, David, when he hears the story, he is just incensed. He's like, excuse me. And this is David's response back to Nathan. As surely as the Lord lives, this man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and he had no pity. And now I wonder, as the story continues here, how long of a pause happened between David's response and before what Nathan was about to say next? Because remember, if David had Uriah taken care of, remember, I mean, you could easily get rid of prophet Nathan as well. But this is how bold this prophet is. And so what does he say after David responds and be like, how could he do that? How dare he? This is what he says in 2 Samuel twelve seven. He says to David, you are the man. boom beach ball back to the surface actually multiple right it's like a tidal wave just coming over now what was hidden is hidden no longer and then as he continues to find out everything that Nathan knows he's like God revealed to me the adultery the deception and even the murder and so David now remember he has a choice he could continue hiding at this point right Take care of Nathan, it'll be hidden, no one will know about it. He got rid of Uriah, he could do the same thing. But thankfully, at this point in the story, David makes a much better choice. David said this to Nathan in 2 Samuel 12, 13, he says, I have sinned against the Lord. Finally, David is taking some ownership. He's choosing to recognize his regret. And that is our second option. The first option is we can just simply hide the regret or ignore it. The second option is this. You can recognize your regrets. And friends, that is the choice that we have got to make if we want to hope to start over. We've got to recognize our regrets in this series, we've been taking a look at some videos of people sharing their stories and the regrets that they have faced. Today, we're going to take a look of a story of a guy named Greg as he shares what it was like dealing with his regret and the option that he had to choose to hide it or recognize it. Take a look.
1: My name is Greg, and this is my starting over story. So I grew up in Parkersburg, West Virginia, and I think what most people would call a pretty typical home. Uh, mom and a dad and one younger brother. Church was not a, a huge part of our life. We did go on Sundays, but it was just the place where we had to wear bad socks and I didn't enjoy going. The first time I uh, remember being introduced to alcohol, I was, I was probably about 13 years old. I was hanging out with an, an older kid, his name was Chad, and uh, we stole a couple bottles of wine from my parents' liquor cabinet. And we drank the bottle of wine and we, uh, we made screwdrivers and when I when I got home I remember that I had uh we had this downhill driveway uh into the garage and I remember the garage door wasn't up so I remember wrecking into the garage I remember my parents yelling at me I remember crying and hugging a toilet I remember promising that I would never do this again what I also remember is that even though the consequences were bad that I thought I had found the answer to life's problems that frankly I didn't even know I had before that day all the fear and doubt and insecurity in the world just kind of slipped away when I drank and I thought I'd found the answer to life. My parents had different ideas uh, growing up uh, that was not okay in our home so I found myself in trouble all the time. It's funny my mom would say you know I needed to get different friends but what she didn't realize is I had become the friend that other people should get a different one for. Um, That's kind of the route my high school took. I think probably the first time that a light bulb came on. I'd been on a bender, came home to steal money. Um, that was my job. <laughs> I snuck into the house and got caught with my hand in the cookie jar and rather than coming out up with some lie like I normally would, I remember just saying, I have a problem with drugs and drinking and I I can't stop and I don't know what to do. And, uh, and so my father actually knew instantly what he wanted to do so, uh, They told me that a van was on its way to my house uh, to come pick me up and take me away to my first treatment center. So I was 17 years old at that time. I felt helpless um, and lost and clueless as to how how I can make it through life because I couldn't imagine life going on as I was living it, but I certainly couldn't imagine any other way either at that point. I also looked at my family and realized that I had destroyed any resemblance of what a family is. What, what do I do now? I've thrown away everything, life's over. Um, I didn't real, I, I didn't see how more could happen after, after what I'd done. I won't say that treatment did a lot of good things or life change happened there, but what did happen was I met a counselor named Rob. When Rob would share what it was like for him to want to drink or get high, uh, I knew that Rob was just like me uh, and I had grown up up to that point thinking I was the only one that felt that way inside. A seed was planted that if Rob could do it then maybe there was hope for a guy like me too. I had an aunt who lived in Chicago named Fran and Fran had recently gotten sober herself and offered that if I wanted to change my life she offered to let me move out with her to give me a new chance and a new start. So I moved out to Chicago Fran introduced me to a few other people who were closer to my age and also uh, had gotten sober and recovering. I began to have just, a, I guess you'd call it a glimmer of hope. You know, hope that if it was possible for these people, um, that maybe it could be possible for me too. The reality was I was still a long way away, uh, many years away, from getting off this downward, destructive, sorry cycle.
0: Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to hear more of his story. But see, what we've got to catch today is that his story of starting over began when he chose to recognize his regrets. See, we have an enemy who doesn't want us to get over our regrets. And as much as there is a God who loves us, as much as Christ went to the cross and he paid the price for our sins and even our regrets and our mistakes, as much as God is for us and he's saying, you can start over, you can do this, you don't have to keep these hidden and buried. See, there's an enemy on the other side who is whispering in our ears saying, you can't ever let this come to the surface. If people found out, this would ruin you. And see, that's what we've got to know that we've got to do. That it's even the voices say, don't you dare let that come. But see, if we don't choose to recognize them, see, it will be buried, but it won't be dead. It won't be there at the surface. It'll be hidden, but it'll still be powerful. And that's what it is like when our regrets sit just below the surface. And they feed our shame, they feed our heartache. But if we want to start over, we've got to be bold enough and sometimes brave enough to allow them to come to the surface, expose it to the light and recognize our regrets. And I'm not gonna stand up here today and say that that's easy. I know that's a very difficult thing to do. I know for myself personally, Personally, I'm a pretty prideful person, so it's really hard to recognize my regrets and let them come to the surface because if it's maybe something that was done to me or even something that I wish I had done differently, the last thing I wanted to do is come to the surface, right? It would be a lot better if it just stay hidden below the water, right? If it would just stay there and then it's maybe maybe it'll just kind of take care of itself, right? Or go away on itself. I just ignore it enough. Or I just keep it hidden long enough. But you know what I'm finding out is that's a terrible strategy because it never works out out. It somehow always finds its way back to the surface. It doesn't go away. So here's the deal for us today. I hope today can be a Nathan moment for every single one of us, because I believe God wants us to recognize our regrets. I believe that God wants us to break out of that sorry cycle and not get stuck. And I truly believe for every single one of us that God wants us to be able to start over Last week, we talked about a guy named Peter from the scripture. We talked about his story a little bit. And Peter, in his story, he, he messed up big time and he had some serious regrets. He was one of Jesus's closest followers. He messed up. He dropped the ball big time. He denied that he even knew who Jesus was. But then Jesus does something amazing for him. He doesn't allow him to get stuck in the sorry cycle. Instead, he extends him an opportunity to get over and a chance to start over. So these are the words of the apostle Peter in 1 Peter. 5, 6, this is what he has to say. Remember, the guy who went through this last week, we talked about the guy who messed up, had some serious regret. I mean, you think you've got regret? Try betraying Jesus, man, your closest friend. Can you imagine? But this is what he says. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. See, recognizing our regrets requires humility why because it's so much more it's so much easier just to keep it hidden to let it stay below the surface to do whatever we can do to hide it But it's exhausting, and hiding regrets just leads to more regrets. And it won't let us move forward. It causes us to just get stuck in that sorry cycle over and over again. But the amazing thing is, like Peter says here, that when we humble ourselves, when we choose to recognize the regrets that we have, then he will lift us up. See, friends, we have two options. We can choose to hide our regrets, or we can humble them, humble ourselves, and we can recognize them knowing that Jesus and God... God is big enough for any of our regrets. It doesn't matter what we've been through. It doesn't matter what we face. It doesn't matter if it's a regret of action, something that we have done. Maybe we've messed up. Maybe I've dropped the ball. Maybe it's a regret of inaction where you're like, man, why didn't I take the chance? Why didn't I take the risk? Why didn't I say the words? Why didn't I save the relationship? Why didn't I do it when I had the chance? Or maybe it's that regret of of reaction. It's something completely out of your control. Maybe it's something that someone even did to you. Maybe it was an accident or a mistake, whatever it. is we have the choice that we can simply hide the regret. We can simply continue to push it down and say, just move along. Nothing to see here. We can choose to let it break to the surface and finally say, I've got to recognize this thing. So how do we do that? If we're ready to trust God with our regret, here's what we've got to do today. The first thing is this, you've got to get honest with yourself. You've got to get honest with yourself, And this seems like it should be simple, but honestly, this can be a very difficult step. See, there are things that you have done that maybe you regret or maybe things that you have had done to you. And at first, you have to face the facts head on and just simply admit that it happened. You were wronged. You wronged somebody. You broke a promise. You told a lie. You cheated. You caused pain. Someone caused pain to you. Whatever it was, something happened So you've just got to be honest with yourself. What does that look like? Maybe just even simply saying it out loud for the first time. Maybe it's writing it down. Finding the courage is to simply put pen to paper and write down that regret for the first time. But you've got to tell yourself, say it out loud, it happened. You've got to be honest with yourself. The second one is this. You've got to get honest with God. And I know this seems like it should be honest. And why should I be honest with God? I mean, he knows everything anyway, right? And see, that's the thing that's kind of ironic. But yes, we've got to be honest with God. Because why? Because God wants relationship with us. And see, God already knows what we're going through. He knows all of our thoughts. He knows our feelings. But see, God wants to hear it from you. Because there's nothing he doesn't already know. He knows how it is when you're feeling, when you're hurting, When you're crying, when you're cussing, when you're numbing, when you're ignoring, when you're simply avoiding, God already knows. But you've got to be honest with him. You've got to be honest with him that it happened. You've got to be honest with him about how you feel about it. See, this is what it is to have relationship with God. God is a personal God, just not out there somewhere in the clouds, in the cosmos. God wants relationship with you, and he wants you to come to him with your regrets. And finally, the third thing is this. You've got to get honest with someone else. You've got to tell someone else, someone who can be that Nathan for you and help you start over. See, we believe that we need each other in this journey. And so you've got to have someone to tell and be able to trust. Maybe it's a trusted friend that you have, a family member, or maybe you don't have that and you need to cultivate that. And that's why we have small groups here at Tree Line, And you've got to get into a small group and we're even talking about this series they just kicked off last week. You can jump in at any time, but you need somebody so you can stop hiding. Let someone you know that you can trust to help you recognize the regret. Today, we're going to give you the opportunity as we close to do a few of these. Today, we're going to give you the opportunity to be honest with yourself, and we're going to give you the opportunity to be honest with God. We're gonna take communion in just a few moments and give you an opportunity. We've made some time for this, made some space for this, for you just to take just a moment and connect with God and maybe for the first time or maybe for the first time in a long time, recognize, acknowledge a regret that's been hidden below the surface. We don't have a Nathan for you here today, but man, we wanna help you cultivate that if you can get involved in a small group, if someone like myself, someone here can come alongside of you and be that for you. But we wanna do that in just a moment. But before we do, we just wanna give you the opportunity that if you are here today and you have never said yes to a relationship with Jesus, if you have never surrendered your life to him, use what you've gotta understand, that God created you, that he loves you, and he wants nothing more to have a relationship with you. He doesn't care about what you've done. He doesn't care about what's done to you. He doesn't matter what regrets that you're carrying or trying to hide. He simply wants you to come to him and lay it all down him and say, I don't got this. I can't do this. I can't be good enough. I can't earn your love. And that's the good news of what Jesus has done for us, that he loves us so intensely that he takes us as we are in our mess, in our mistakes, in our failures. So I'm going to ask everyone that's here today, If you just simply bow your head and close your eyes. And if that's you today, for maybe the very first time, to say yes to a relationship with Jesus. Or maybe you're here and at some point you said yes to a relationship with Jesus. But maybe life began to happen. Maybe you just got busy. Maybe you just drifted away. Maybe something hurtful happened. Maybe you've been dealing with some past regrets and you just simply couldn't reconcile it. And so you were so busy dealing with those regrets that you just slowly let your relationship with God drift away. Whatever the reason is, it doesn't matter. God is here today saying, welcome home with arms wide open. So if that's you here today, while every head is bowed, every eye is closed, if you would say, Brian, just include me in that prayer. We're not gonna single you out. Just slip your hand up at this time and just say, Brian, include me in that prayer. See that hand, I see those hands. Awesome, you can put your hands down. We're gonna repeat after me so that no one has to pray alone. Repeat after me out loud, everyone together. Dear Jesus, I believe in you. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to follow you all of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Awesome, awesome. We believe that if you said that prayer today and you meant it, we believe that you made the first step to following after Jesus. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are greater than any regret that we may face. And God, we know that sometimes allowing those regrets to come to the surface can be pretty painful. And it might even feel like a step backwards, but God, we truly believe that it's the first step is recognizing those regrets, admitting that they're happening, being bold enough, being brave enough, and being humble enough to come to you and lay them at your feet. God, some of us are tired of trying to keep that beach ball pushed under the water. It's exhausting trying to keep those multiple regrets hidden and covered up, but God, we can know that we can experience the freedom that only comes through a relationship with you, that God, you are big enough to handle any regret, that you don't see us any differently, that you don't love us any less. So we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you would like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at treeline.church or on social media. Our mission is to see family trees change by a lifelong relationship with Jesus. We hope you can listen or join us next week.